This is a warning, sugar. You're about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But I'm going to keep it real with you, my sweet babies. These mamas ain't masters of shit. It's just two stone-cold foxes and their feminist agenda. But if you dig sexy things like interviews down by the fireplace, talking nerdy and little double entendre, keep on keeping on, because they're about to lay it on you. Right on. Welcome to the 20th episode of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On this, our season one finale, we have Tiffy Starchild on to talk about YouTube, being a cast member at Disneyland, and play a very nerdy Christmas trivia game. And Kirsten and I discuss nerd news, The Mandalorian recap, and new comic releases. But first, we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have a ton of merch for sale. And if you'd like to support this pod by taking advantage of free shipping in the U.S., well, we really appreciate you. And hey, forget Santa. Come sit on my lap. I tested negative for COVID, but positive for horny. (laughs) (laughs) And you can check out our shop and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. Well, shit, what have you been up to? You know, not a whole lot. I finally got on the Animal Crossing train. Choo-choo. And not even because I'm cool enough to have a Nintendo Switch. I just have the mobile app, the Pocket Camp. And boy, I get it. I fucking get it. I don't need my Adamant anymore. I don't need my pot. I just need Animal Crossing. What have you been up to? Um, Just watching The Last Mandalorian like a hundred times in a row. I also watched the WWE TLC pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. yeah. Give me the fringe. Speaking of fringe, Sasha Banks returned. Hell yeah. So, okay. First, let me say. God, what a beautiful woman. Yeah. Let me say, first of all, this is my first foray back into wrestling after years. So I'm just going to kind of touch on it a little bit, being that I I can't really go too far into it because I didn't actually see the backstories that led up to this pay-per-view. So I just want to hit on a few notes. I just want to say Sasha Banks returned. She wore fringe. She is gorgeous. She had a nude illusion fucking she had her nude illusion gear on. She was fucking sparkly and giving it. And she was really fun to watch. Um, I also want to say whoever Corey Graves is, he had no business being so coiffed and tattooed. Sir, <laughs> you're confused. I'm watching this for the pretty ladies, not for you. So don't go so hard. <laughs> and then, of course, the fucking coup de gras. Like, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, why am I watching wrestling again? This is fun, but like, what? And then fucking The Fiend gets set on fire. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yo. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Whenever I think of setting people on fire, I think of like all the riots that break out in France where like the firemen <laughs> set themselves on fire and go toe to toe with the policemen. Badass are those firefighters just Yo. like, fuck you. Fuck That's you. That's exactly why we don't have problem with firefighters. They do shit like that. Should we get into some news? Yeah. You know, it hasn't been. As crazy with news lately, especially after that big Disney dump last time. <laughs> you know, when Disney takes a dump, people just go running. 
I saw a really interesting article on Wired. It was written by Angela Watercutter, and it was titled, This was supposed to be the year of the female movie hero. And, you know, it was a very interesting, like, recap of what happened in 2020 because we were really set up for that this year. The momentum was going. We had, you know, Wonder Woman came out in 2017 with the bang, Captain Marvel hot on its trail, huge success. We were all looking forward to Birds of Prey. Even that had a premature run in theaters because of COVID. But Birds of Prey still has a distinction of being the highest grossing comic book movie of 2020. We had so many things slated to come out in 2020. Following Birds of Prey was supposed to be Wonder Woman 1984, then The Eternals, then Black Widow. But obviously, a lot of those things were put on hold. Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be coming out this week. And I'm a little worried. They're already getting the numbers in from the limited movie release. And it's not what they expect. But like, hi, there's a pandemic. Of course, it's not what you expect, but it's still good numbers. The last I checked, it was 38.4 million when they were expecting 60. Mm. That's not bad. These also saw Tenant, you know, Christopher Nolan, the industry darlings movie that came out that was considered a failure in box office. But we don't really hear about that. I don't think that these female led films are getting the same treatment. It's a bummer. I don't really feel like you can take the numbers in 2020 and, and really make an assessment at all. Like this year's no. kind of a wash. It really is. And I, I think my main takeaway from this is just we were all very hyped. Wonder Woman came out. Captain Marvel came out. There was a very obvious trend yeah. of finally getting female superheroes. We were rooting superheroes. for you. We were rooting yeah. for you. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Birds of Prey is still one of my favorite movies of this year. And that's not... The thing is, is that, like, I don't want to shit on Birds of Prey again, but <laughs> I want to say, like, that's not a hard assessment to make. Like, what came out this year? Like, everything was pushed. Like, it... it it's my favorite movie of the year too and I didn't really like it like it's not I don't know you know there's not a lot of competition yeah I mean even if there was it still would have been for me because I'm a true believer unlike oh. some you're gonna um, use the word true believer for a DC movie? <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> I just I'm not worried about the future of female leads but I do think that we took a hit I think the industry on a whole took a hit like, I don't really feel like there's no bouncing back, though, with either, uh, you know, female-led superhero movies or if the movies industry in general. Whole. Yeah. Yeah. I just... I feel like the world took a hit, though. Like, we all have been fucking beat down, and I have to believe that we're all going to fucking bounce back. But it is uneven... I feel like this hit was had even more bite than others just because this was supposed to be the year. Right. I, hear, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Talking about how shitty 2020 has been, the last 12 months have been basically a long episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, you, that was really illustrated when I watched the WWE pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yeah, exactly. But apparently, you know, the dystopian anthology series that is Black Mirror, it's not getting new episodes this year, but we're getting something from the creators of it. They're going to end this year, December 27th on Netflix. We are going to get Death to 2020, which is supposed to be like a comedy. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, it ha- it stars Samuel Jackson, Hugh Grant, Kumal Nunjani, um, Tracy Ullman, Samson Kayo. <gasps> Weird cast. Lisa Kudrow, Diane Morgan, Leslie Jones, Joe Carey of Stranger Things, and Lawrence Fishburne. So is this a series or is this like a movie? Are we going to see all these people together or is this just it's different? a special comedy event? That's what I, what? I have in my copy. Yeah. That's nuts. But um, I guess we'll find out if this year really was a never ending Black Mirror episode. I found this really interesting. So the Walt Disney Company acquired Lucasfilm in 2012. They spent $4 billion to get that giant IP. As soon as they got it, they were just churning out standalone films, series, theme parks, everything. But they made all this money on the Star Wars franchise, but they refused to pay royalties to the novelizations. Yeah. According to Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America Association, the novelists have been shut off from royalties, as have fellow novelists for 20th Century Fox Library. And that includes people on our regular comics book list, hmm. um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Alien, among others. Real fucking bummer. I found out that Alien Dean Foster, who wrote the original novelization of Star Wars A New Hope, he's penned countless Star Wars novelizations. And his original contract with Lucas in the 1970s, he was paid $7,500 up front with 0.5 royalty on sales. And like obviously that had earned the original fee back times over. But why the fuck is a multi-billion dollar corporation like Disney just bilking these people out of a few thousand dollars is it because they no longer find the um the novelizations canon you know i think that might be part of it but they're also taking a lot from them right right and solo for instance yeah this it's just dirty so dirty it's silly like these people have so much goddamn money like (sighs) why why this isn't a matter of affording it it's just gross (laughs) gail simone i don't even have to say it obviously she's one of my favorite comic book writers we talked about her before she's written deadpool an amazing you know body of work but we can't not mention her body of work on twitter here's one of her most recent tweets that just sent the internet into a craze she said mark hamill says that he got the loose skywalker role by copying george lucas's exact mannerisms but sure Ray is a Mary Sue if it makes you happy. <laughs> Girl, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing with that. Um, someone replied to her saying, is your writing as bad as your general knowledge? As someone who claims to be a writer, claims to be claims. a writer. Oh, wow. She's obviously a writer. You know what a Mary Sue slash, I've never heard this before, Gary Stew is? Yeah. What it? <laughs> What it is not is a character that copies the creator's mannerism. What it is, is what Ray is. Okay, I'm sure he like, after he wrote that, he like cracked open some Mountain Dew, (laughs) you know, licked the Cheeto dust off his fingers and was just like, wow, I did it. I finally did it. I took down Gail Simone. (laughs) Gail Simone said she is a common as fuck archetype. God, I love this. She cusses. The chosen one, a category of which at least three other previous Star Wars characters also belong. Yeah. 
this stuff isn't complicated. Um, someone else was backing Kale Simone up and said, Luke has like 10 minutes of training, then blows up a Death Star from a cockpit of a ship he's never flown before, let alone in space, without the use of targeting. But Ray's abilities are an issue. Yeah, it makes no sense. It really doesn't. I do love the the fact that people are coming to Ray's defense by being like, hey, your fucking, your boy, Luke Skywalker, if you don't see the parallels there, you're a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. Um, someone else said, remember, the only difference between classic lead character and Mary Sue is, is this character a dude? Mm. But now we have a fucking term for it, a Gary Stew. <laughs> God, I hate that so much. So she just mic dropped, end of the whole conversation. She said, he's the most Mary Sue of Mary Sue's. I don't care. Neither should anyone. I still love him. Smiley face. <laughs> right. I wanted to know what Mark Hamill has to say, because I feel like he would probably side with her on this. You know, I love Gail on fucking Twitter. I love me some Mark Hamill on Twitter. And I really do want to hear them in a conversation. Make that happen. Let's have that in 2021. That's going to save us all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to move on to what we've all been waiting for. The <gasps> recap. Is it time? Season Is it two time? finale. The rescue. So we're just going to walk through. So you're going to hit me with your hot takes. I'm going to do a walkthrough. But of course, you know, you know what I'm going to do first. I already told you what I'm going to do first. Okay. <sighs> Go. FNF. Favreau. Filoni. FNF is five, five Nights at Freddy's. No, it's Filoni and fucking Favreau. <laughs> Thank you, Star Wars daddies. Thank you for this fucking episode. Star Wars daddies. They're like the cool uncles. The daddy is George Lucas. Hey, he's a fucking deadbeat dad right now. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are my daddies now. Well, there's a reason why we go to hang out at cool uncle's house. He lets us, you know, smoke cigarettes and eat sugar cereal. <laughs> and they give us what we want. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to start at the beginning. All right. So Dr. Pershing is put on an Imperial shuttle and they're being, and he's being chased by the, by the Scooby gang. What I'm going to call the Scooby the, gang. We've got Fennec. We've got Boba. We've got uh, Cara Dune. We've got Mando. And that's it, right? I loved, okay, so they hit the Imperial shuttle with an ion cannon and it was really cool seeing Boba's ship come up in front of it because you could see, like, it usually looks like such a tiny little, it looks like a one person kind of a thing, but when it came up over the Imperial shuttle, you got to see like the full. That disabling cannon has only been seen before in video games, right? Boba has like these, like, his fucking ship's got some fucking shit, man. It is cool as fuck. It looks cool. Razor too. Crest, what? It kind of looks like a dick and balls, though. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the gang boards and Cardoon trades words with one of Gideon's lackeys. Yo, that was intense. That was uncomfortable. Right? So this guy takes the doctor hostage, sort of, and he says that this doctor is a top tier clone engineer. Did you catch the emblem that he was wearing, by the way? Mm-hmm. It was the same from Clone Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he mentions that he was on the Death Star. And he doesn't reply when Kara asks him which Death Star he's talking about. <laughs> I love that they're making jokes about it, finally. So he mentions watching Alderaan die. And he mocks her, because she's from there, how he knows that. Fuck if I know. But uh, saying that, uh, you know, he sees like 
tears for her home planet. And quote, destroying your planet was a small price to pay to rid the world of terrorism. And then she shoots him in the face. <laughs> fucking Nazi ass. Pussy. How, okay. Is it, is it fucking ironic that she shoots the Nazi? Is it ironic? Oh, God. <laughs> Gina Carano. All right. She, you know, she's looking for... She's looking for her politics in Alderaan places. In Alderaan places. I love it. <laughs> so then we get the return of the Mandalorians, Bo-Katan, and Koska Reeves. And we get a WWE-style Mando fight with Koska and Boba. Whoa. Also, it showed you, like, what a badass Koska was to be that, holding her own with Boba. Right. That was so cool. And then, uh, you know, they're talking shit back and forth. Oh and all the made up like insults. Uh, I was very here for that. It was so good. I actually turned on the uh, subtitles so I could catch it all. And like the fifth time I watched the episode. Please check in on your friends. This is what happens to them. <laughs> so they're talking shit back and forth. And Koska tells him that if he pushes her much further, he'll be talking through the window of a Batka tank. Which we know from Empire Strikes Back, what Luke was in um, after being attacked by a wampa. But we'll talk about Luke Skywalker later. Wasn't the wampa, it had to have been inspired by the, like the stop motion Christmas phenomenal yeah. snowman. Love it. So Bo-Katan agrees to go with Mando if Moff Gideon is her fight and no one else's. And this is weird. The scientist dude is like unbelievably helpful. Like, it's almost uncanny how voluntarily he helps his captives move along, move the plot along. Like, oh, thanks, dude. Um, and he also lets them know that the that there are dark troopers and the dark troopers have no humans in the suits. That was wild because we also saw that in the games, right? Dark troopers. But at that point, they were like cybernetic humans. But now there's absolutely no human left. Right. So they get to Moth's ship in that Imperial shuttle and they pretend that Boba Fett is attacking them in an attempt to allow them to uh, dock. And my husband and I were sh fucking shouting, this is so fucking cool when we saw the TIE fighters launch. Like, what a cool fucking scene, man. That was, I love the ugh. sound of TIE fighters. Just seeing them, like, up close launching like that, it was fucking awesome. I was also, like, kind of bummed when Boba Fett left. Like, I understand why he did, but I was like, man, they couldn't have used him. They didn't need him. But they didn't because need him. That's the thing. Those badass ladies walking through fucking Moth's ship just destroying stormtroopers. Who, surprise, never landed a shot. What? Stormtroopers? That's so out of character. Fuckers need their helmets checked, man. <laughs> like, what, are they, like, what is going on? I don't know, man. But those women, like, mwah, chef's kiss. Like, that whole fucking scene was so good. The fearsome foursome. They were awesome. It was so fucking good. And it did feel like forced or shoehorned, like the the girl empowerment scene from Avengers. Not at all. Uh, As a matter of Endgame. fact, I didn't even realize that it was just all, it was a group of ladies walking through until maybe my third time watching it through. It's honestly inconsequential. Yeah. And I love that about it even more. I, yeah, in my head, I kept thinking, like, who could he team up with? We could have had Grief Karga. We could have had Boba Fett. We could have even had uh, Mayfield. But we could have like, even had that other male Mandalorian. They just fucking were like, nah, fucking leave that fucker out. We could have had Banff Cobb, Timothy Oilyphant. Oilyphant. And then Moff activates the Dark Troopers. 
And we get like an industrial remix of like a Nine Inch Nails. Fucking dubstep. Well, that's what Topher said. My husband was like, that's dubstep. And I'm so old. I'm like, what is this? A remix of Nine Inch Nails? (laughs) That was cool as fuck, though. And it was also like really jarring and like not a fun sound. It was jarring because we don't get new music in Star Wars like ever, Mm -hmm. ever. But I loved it. It was awesome. And then we got like Skrillex scoring this episode. <laughs> so then we get Mando walking alone because it's misdirection. He's walking alone through the ship and he crosses a Death Star droid, which was really cool. The weird Beetleborgs looking fucking yeah. 3PO. Yeah. And Cardoon's gun jams and there's no real payoff for this. And I feel like it's the most confusing part of the episode. Like, why? Why did? Why was that? A, that didn't make any sense to me. I think what happened is that she left for parlor. The the gun was all like, I I'm leaving Twitter, <laughs> going to parlor. So it took a second. Got it. Skip a beat. So Mando makes it in time to close the doors before the dark trooper make it through. Except one like claws its way out. Very Terminator. And just beats the living fuck out of the Mandalorian. Like, Yo, okay. yeah, and it, so, and when he's on fire, I was like, oh, Terminator 2. Absolutely. But how fucking funny was it to watch him bash his head into the fucking ship? Beskar is no joke. I know. I feel like the Mandalorian has just been one long commercial for Beskar. <laughs> I love that they really set up just how fucking crazy that these fucking dark troopers are. Like, mm-hmm. they really set that up because Mando's not to be fucked with. And he, if he wasn't wearing Beskar, that motherfucker would be dead. Gone. Gone. So it was terrifying dead. watching Dark Troopers in action. It was really fucking scary. They did a great job. Like, that, I mean, like, watching some fucking robots go and and, and, and be robots. Sometimes that's silly. It's not scary, but they did a great job of it. It kind of remind me of, like, like other sci-fi series, like, Battlestar and Doctor Who, I remember like being so terrified of Cylons and Daleks and I got the, and the Dark Troopers visually are so much scarier than those things. So I felt like I was like a young kid again. I'm like, no, fuck, no. (laughs) I love the Terminator 2 fucking, the fact that it made me think of that. I loved that movie when I I was I love that it wasn't just you or me. We both thought that. Oh, yeah. I, I, but I was a huge Terminator 2 fan. Like I was like, what, no 13 way. when that came out? Oh, God. Come on. The crossover of the Guns and Roses. Oh, fuck oh, off. You're that, right. was, that is like that was totally tailored to, to your taste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the fucking in the movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger hides a gun in a fucking thing of roses and takes it out. And then it comes, roses fall down. And he's got the gun. It's just like and a commercial. That was your sexual fucking, awakening. I was like, hello. <laughs> Um, November rain. <laughs> you could be mine. Fucking. Mm-mm. Anyway. Uh, so Mando shoots out all the troopers out of the ship. And then he kills that one. I'm sorry. He kills the one with the spear first. And then he fucking shoots. Okay, there were some parallels there. I know you're not a Game of Thrones fan, but, but obviously Pedro Pascal's character in Game of Thrones was in a very similar situation where he was fighting the mountain, who was this really big, scary, like literally undefeatable guard of Cersei's. 
And he even had like a spear too. Hmm. And it almost looks like he had like a redemption where, because in the show, he gets his fucking eyeballs squished out by the mountain. And you could see the parallel of the dark trooper smashing his head <laughs> into the ship. Shit, yeah. And I was like, fuck. I'm like, there's no way people aren't, you know, comparing the two of these things. He remembered to wear a helmet this time. Thank God. He learned his lesson. That's the real reason why Mandalorian should take their helmet off. <laughs> right? So Moff Gideon is, of course, an evil genius. And he's already in the cell with Baby Yoda waiting for Mando. And he's got that dark saber over his head with those tiny little baby handcuffs on. That was the saddest scene. He's like, oh, dad, help. And then he's like, a friendly piece of advice. Assume that I know everything. Oh, okay. Why is he so terrifying? It was such a good villain dialogue happening right there. And he's so good at delivering villain dialogue. Like him in Breaking Bad, he had those diatribes where he would just, and it's the same sort of feel. Like he's just creepy. He's spooky as fuck, but that line fucked me up. Assume that I know everything because it kind of, to me, felt like he was alluding that there is like a spy or a mole in the Mando's ranks. It felt like too big of a line to not infer something a little bit more sinister. I didn't get that. I just got, hey, dude, I'm smarter than you. You should just not take that for granted. That's all I got from it. All right. We'll find out. Yeah. Then Mando says, hey, dude. Keep the fucking saber. I just want my kid. Oh, yeah. And then Moff is like, all I wanted was to study his blood. He's blessed with rare properties that have the potential to bring back order to the galaxy. Mm. Emperor clones, anybody? Mm. <laughs> yeah, for a second there, he almost, he almost got me to it. He had me in the first half. Not going to lie. I thought that, you know, Mano was going to get off scot-free. Mm-hmm. Then, um, of course, he's a grimy little bitch. Yeah. He just pretends and then kablow, just fucking attacks him. That fight, though. Yeah, we got the Beskar spear dark saber fight that we knew we were we going to get. Was coming. We knew. Okay. When you were watching the Beskar spear heat up, were you worried that maybe Beskar wasn't the best car? <laughs> I really like watching it heat up like that. I was like, oh, shit. I don't think this is indestructible. Mm, no, I, w- I wasn't worried. But how hot was Mando's hands holding that? Because I don't think his hands have fucking Beskar armor on it. Yikes. So I don't know, man. Giancarlo Esposito, how fucking excited at this point in his life is he to fucking be like, I was in a lightsaber battle. Me. I was in a lightsaber battle. He said it like oh, multiple yeah? times. He's okay. a mega fan. I The last thing that I watched with him talking about it was Mando Mondays before the season premiere of two. And he was just like, I'm so excited about this. And he like got to open his action figure on the show. And he's oh, like, look at this. It looks like me. <laughs> just my heart. I just, I felt that. I, I didn't even, I didn't even watch that. And I just knew just watching him on there. See, like, that's why you cast people like that. Not Bill Burr, who's <laughs> a yeah. dick about Star Wars. <laughs> anyway. But, you know, that actually kind of made sense for Mayfield because he is very disillusioned with everything. And that's fucking Bill Burr disillusioned with everything. Look, our Star Wars daddies aren't going to fucking do us wrong. Hmm, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I'm not. I am here for it. Anyway. Well, I'll tell you how I think they probably did us wrong later. Okay. Um, Mando leaves Moff Gideon alive 
because the Dadalorian is soft now. Also, Cara Dune asked him to. So Din walks in where everyone else is with the Darksaber in hand and Moff in handcuffs. And Moff is, he's trying to go bow into fucking killing Mando to take the he's saber. He's a messy bitch who lives for drama. He is. And he lets the audience, us and Mando, know that she can't take it unless it's won in battle. And then Mando does exactly what I would do. I yield. It's yours. She still wouldn't take it. Let's talk about being the rightful owner of the Darksaber. Okay. So this was our first clue into what we can expect later in the Mandalorian and later seasons. His possession of the Darksaber gives him basically a mission to retake Mandalore as its new king. But it doesn't seem like he wants to. Right. And the history of the Darksaber is a fucking long one. The history with Bo-Katan in particular started after A New Hope um, with another Mandalorian, Sabine Sabine. Wren of the Star Wars Rebels. She found the saber on a planet, um, but she didn't earn it the traditional way by you know, defeating its rightful owner the way that Maul had. But then she's like, I don't, she, she trained with it. She's not vibing with it. She's like, I'm just going to give it to Bo-Katan. And Bo-Katan is even reluctant about it. But the only thing that convinced her to finally take possession of it was like literally every single Mandalorian clan saying, no, we want you. But I get the feeling that that wasn't the best decision, at least the way that she got it. And this is where I kind of, you know, diverge from a lot of Star Wars fans. You'd be like, well, you did it before. Do it again. That shit was cursed. (laughs) The purge happened right afterward. They fucking like glass planet all Halo style. It was not a good thing. And I don't know how Moff Gideon got his hands on it, but let's just say she doesn't want to fucking repeat that. So it makes sense that she wants to do it the right way. Okay. To me, I, people are saying it's a plot hole, but to me, that makes sense. Okay. I think it's a plot hole, but all right. I mean, it's more, I mean, Moff Gideon. This is so annoying because, like, I don't want to agree with Moff Gideon, this messy bitch. <laughs> he says that the claim of the power of the Darksaber lies in believing the legend. Right. But, like, do we really need a guy from the Empire telling us that and deciding that? No. But obviously, that's the reality for Bo-Katan, and this is going to cause some real problems down the road. Did you think she was going to turn on Din in this episode? No. I knew that, that they were saving that for season three. Yeah. Do you think that she will? I think it's going to be a point of contention, and we're, I don't know. I don't know if she's going to turn on him. She's never really felt like she was on his side, ever. She kind of only feels ambivalent. like she's on her side. Yeah, and that's fucking fine. You know, I'm drawing another Game of Thrones parallel here, but one of the reasons why I think the series failed is putting uh, Jon Snow and Daenerys against each other, pitting them against each other because they were both protagonists for the whole entire series until the very end. And then it's found out in the lineage that Jon Snow is actually heir to the throne. And Daenerys kind of goes power hungry and he ends up killing her. And it just feels like, you know, they're setting Star Wars up in the same way. Like Mando doesn't want anything to do with this. John didn't want the throne either. But now that he has like the rightful claim to it, does that mean that, you know, that's his fate? I mean, even the similarities of like Din being a foundling 
and Jon Snow being a bastard, like it really harkens back to that for me. And I feel like Bo-Katan is very similar to Daenerys and that they've like spent their entire life leading up to this, earning this title. And now they have a new contender to the throne. Okay. Do I think they're going to fuck up? I don't in the want way them that, to do that, though. I don't think they're going to fuck up. It doesn't up. have to be messy. I don't think it's going to I just happen. want him to work with her to bring Mandalore back I to I feel glory. like Din isn't going to, in the way, I, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but it, what you're saying is that Jon Snow fucking killed her. I don't feel like that's going to happen with Din. Like, I don't feel like he wants it. And I don't feel like well, he's going to want I think for that it. to happen, I think for that to happen, Bo-Katan has to go on this, like, power trip. Or she has to fucking somehow fucking as like a bad leader. Or she has to fucking go after his baby boy. Then he would fucking do it. You know that too. Um, the thing that really fucked me up about Game of Thrones, and I swear this is the last thing I'll say about it, is I wasn't mad that Daenerys burned down King's Landing. I was like, good for you, bitch. All the shit you went through, good for you. I know I don't want Bo-Katan to cause trouble for Din, but like, do what you fucking got to. You've been through some shit. You deserve this. Go get it, girl. You go, girl. You go, girl, but you leave Grogu out of it. Well, that was my theory early on. I thought that Moff was going to try to bargain with Bo-Katan for the Darksaber. But then I didn't factor in the fact that she would have to defeat him to get the Darksaber. Right. But in a in a way, it kind of did play out that way, didn't it? He he played it out so that he ended up with Grogu and the Saber, which made it Bo-Katan, you know, enemy number one. Well, it made Din and enemy number one for Bo-Katan. Right. I digress. Now that we're done with talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> we're going to get to the apex of this episode. Apex of my life. Um, so here come the dark troopers flying in. Because we knew they would come back. They don't, they don't, uh, space means nothing to them. They don't got to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a shirt. Space don't beat nothing to them. They ain't got to breathe. Mando had a hard enough time beating one of these motherfuckers. So in my mind, I'm thinking these bitches are all going to die. Like it's a and fleet even, of them. Fucking even Moff's like, the only people that are going to walk out of here are me and Grogu. So bye, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> This entire end of the episode was just Moff just like grinning like a little fucking rat. I love, I love that he is like grinning, hiding a gun. Like he's like the goo in Ghostbusters where he's like, yes, all these negative emotions feed me. (laughs) Well, right. He is a, you know, he's like Andy Cohen in Real Housewives (laughs) on Bravo. He is a messy bitch. He is. So. Again, he's hiding a fucking gun. And I thought, okay, maybe this is where the fucking gun jamming is going to pay off. But that didn't happen either. So what was that? Just like a red herring? I don't get it. I don't know. It pissed me off. And I I hate to keep bringing it up because it was so inconsequential. But like, why? Anyway. Maybe it was just a very long Viagra commercial. So the dark troopers are ramming their way in. Speaking of Viagra, they're ramming their way in. Mm. And holy shit. Let us know if ramming lasts for more than four hours. <laughs> and it won't if an X-Wing fucking comes in. And here comes this motherfucking X-Wing. Just think about baseball. Just think about x And then, of course, you know, Cara Dune says, oh, one X-Wing. Great. We're saved. And at this point, bitch, I'm on my feet. Like, I am on my feet screaming. 
screaming, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Are we going to get it? We're going to get it. Holy fucking shit. Like I am. Well, we foresaw this. We called it a couple episodes back. We knew it was going to be Luke. I mean, they were sending it up to be Ezra, but it was for sure Luke. I just never in my, I we I wanted it. I knew we deserved it, but I didn't know we were we going to get it. it. The, we deserved it. The Star it. Wars fandom doesn't deserve shit. Let's Look, just, bitch, I deserved it. Yes, you. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. But not the fuckers who ran Kelly Marie Tran off of the internet. No, not those fuckers. But I don't want to be associated with those fuckers. I am a... I am the fucker. I am the fucker. I am king bitch of fuck mountain. Okay. <laughs> I am the crazy Star Wars fan from the fucking 70s, but I am not toxic. They exist. Okay. Debatable. We exist. Okay. Well, I'm toxic. <laughs> I'm toxic to you, but I'm not toxic in general. So... Oh, God. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I feel excited talking about it. I'm trying to calm myself down. This is how much it means to me. And I know it means this much to a lot of people too. It means a lot to me too. It does Stop not. You don't it. give a fuck. I do give a fuck. I'm sitting here talking about it. I'm the king bitch of a fuck, mountain. fuck mountain. That's another Mr. Show reference, by the way. <laughs> king Kong ain't got shit on me. So we see a robed figure just gliding through the hallways on a black and white monitor what a fucking diva Mm. and then we see this figure fighting with a saber but the screen is black and white so we can't see the color of the saber and we can't see the jedi's face but we know it's a jedi and we know it's the jedi that grogu called out for and we know we saw the x-wing but let's just fucking let's go with suspend our belief here let's just do it and it's a scene, and I know other people have said it. I'm going to say it too. It's not a complete parallel. I did watch the scenes lined up. It's not a complete parallel, but it is like Vader and Rogue One just plowing through bitches, just serving it in his robe. This was a cool moment, but this is where we got into it. We're not getting into it yet. I'm not done explaining it. I'm still fucking hyped. Oh, so you bitch. We see this caped, gloved green saber dude we know it's green now we know there's a glove and he's just wrecking these fucking dark troopers just can i say who ani thought it was when she saw the green saber okay yoda oh come on (laughs) (laughs) look how tall he is look at the size differential you dumb kid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like the glee and her voice it's yoda it's yoda coming to save baby yoda i love that purity though that's so cute but she's fucking wrong but she's a <laughs> fucking idiot punt that dumbass <laughs> oh yeah i punted her like a football so fucking gloved green saber oh god fucking damn it there's only one badass one gloved green saber having motherfucker in the galaxy michael jackson close (laughs) (laughs) luke motherfucking skywalker i mean he's the smooth criminal Ooh, he fucking stole my heart ah these fucking assholes they did it they brought luke back I felt my proverbial dick inflate. Like it was fulfillment on a promise that was made to me 43 years ago. God fucking damn it. It seems like he fulfilled the prophecy of a moisture farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. We were 
wet. We were Our slick. Two we were sliding were around. Slick. <laughs> we were like snails just leaving trails on the ground. <laughs> oh, it's the payoff we all wanted. And I still feel it in my chest. Like it's I'm fluttering just talking about it. Like I'm such a dumbass. I'm a fucking That's dumb. Not a good sign. I'm a fucking dumbass. I know it. I know it. But I fucking, oh, they made all dimly lit basements across America reek with a little more nerdgasm. <laughs> like fucking God damn it. That was everything. How many socks were filled that night, do you think? <laughs> it's fucking innumerable. We don't even know. Like it's fucking years later, scientists will be fucking trying to figure it out. So... Moff tries to shoot Bo-Katan, then he tries to shoot Grogu, but Mandio dives in front of his baby boy and deflects the shot. It's kind of a throwaway scene, I think, but okay. This murdered me. Little Grogu touches the monitor with Luke on it with his little hand. Little again. My tiny heart exploded. That gave me bad feelings as a parent because like I can't tell you like every fucking day I'm Windexing fingerprints off the TV. I thought you were gonna say that it gave you bad feelings because your kids are touching towards things on the on the TV that they want more than you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we're really going there. All right. And Bando's like, open the doors. Open the motherfucking doors. This is my baby boy's bitch. Open well, the fucking doors. Do you understand that? I mean, we saw it in the episode, The Jedi, about like a Mandalorian and a Jedi, like sworn enemies right. together. There's a reason why they had apprehension. Also, we saw what this motherfucker is capable of. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. He eats dark troopers for breakfast. Like, f- fucking A, man. Just ate them up. Like it was nothing. Sorry. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat shit for breakfast. At the end, just the fucking, just him crushing that one with the force. Holy balls. Holy balls. That was like fucking Billy Ray. Billy Ray in a can of Coors. Okay. You, you would have been cooler though if you ripped the head off of a dark trooper and then crushed it into his skull. Like he oh, was I thought tailgating. you said ripped the head off a fucking, off a, Dark Trooper and then imitated fellatio. (laughs) (laughs) God. Why? Yep. That's why we're friends. Or just, and then he fucking had a beer in his back pocket and fucking poured it into the helmet and then drank it out of it. Anyway. Fucking Um, beer bong. (laughs) (laughs) Celebration, motherfuckers. Or just just fucking marionette pup the puppet in this fucking dark trooper. (laughs) With the force, though. With the force. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. (laughs) That's all, folks. Oh, anyway. So. They open the doors. Manda opens the doors. It's fucking mist. We see a green saber. And I'm at this point, I'm like this far away from the TV screaming, take it off. (laughs) (laughs) Show me your magic mic in your house that night. Yes, it was. I was like, at this point, I'm like, is it Sebastian Stan? Jump on it. (laughs) Riding my pony. (laughs) Give it to me, Mark Hamill. Show us the goods. So I, you know, I'm like is, is screaming. Is it Sebastian Stan? What the fuck? What the fuck? I don't know what's going to happen. That's exactly who I was expecting, by the way. And, you know, we got a CGI Luke Skywalker and I didn't I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Was I... it perfect? No, but I didn't mind it. I still I'm still hyped about it. I'm still excited. I didn't hate it. I, I, mean, I think my... what they were fearing and I in with good fucking cause is they were fearing another solo debacle 
you know? Mm. And maybe if we see him again in the next season, it might be Sebastian Stan. There was also a, a scheduling conflict. So he was filming the new uh, series. So he wasn't yeah. even available. Yeah, facial hair it would have been like a Henry Cavill thing. <laughs> <laughs> we love I, it when they take out fucking facial hair. Look, I wanted to just say, though, my eldest laughed when they saw Luke Skywalker's face because it did look a little off. It's not perfect. I mean, it's the perfect. same thing that they did in, with Leia um, and with um, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin and Luke in the last and Luke and oh Leia in the last one, right? Yeah, when they were showing the training, I, I thought the CGI was fine. I didn't take me out of it at all. And then Din looks at Luke and he's like, "He doesn't want to go with you. Grogu doesn't want to go with you." Mm-hmm. And Luke says he wants your permission. And what does Mando do? He takes off his mask. To say goodbye, and I will see you again. And then Grogu touches his face and touches all our hearts. In a pandemic? How dare. (laughs) I want to touch on Pedro Pascal's face, Lucky. You got to remember. And in a room full of people, too. Yeah, and you got to remember that Din hasn't had another living thing touch his face since he was a kid. Yeah. So the eyes closed, the tears, the, you know, he's having another living thing touch him it's that's huge so then do you think it's huge i think it's pretty big i don't really know how (laughs) well contained the armor is i want to touch him touch him um (laughs) (laughs) so he puts him down fucking grogu grabs his leg and then i was not prepared who comes gliding in mother fucking r2d2 I was not prepared. You know what? I actually forgot about that until now. I was not prepared. Well, who else, though? I mean, I didn't, but I didn't know anybody else was going to roll in. I thought Luke was, and then like, who else could fucking come in after that? Like a baby Ben Solo. He's not alive yet. So I'm going to be evil. (laughs) This was cool. R2 got so fucking happy seeing Grogu. Now, is that because he knew him from the temple from his days with Anakin? You know? And then Luke says, may the force be with you. And cue tears. I mean, it's a little mm -hmm. scary. Because we know what happens. Okay. So Luke is so obsessed with bringing balance to the force. And he takes on all these young Jedi to train them. And we know what happens in the sequels. He's not successful. (laughs) I mean, Grogu survived that massacre on Coruscant. I don't know if he got tipped off. I don't know. Maybe he's hiding behind a chair when Anakin came in there swinging. But if he is around for when Ben Solo, I guess Kylo Ren at that point. It's going to be like 19 years later, though. Like... It's not even going to happen anytime mm, soon. But with we how he ages, training, he's we'll be, 50 years old we and also he's still don't a baby. At that point, he's going to fuck off from his training like Luke did, like Ray did, and go I'm fucking find his just dad. I'm saying if he is there for that, you know that little fucker is going to get off Scott clean. He hasn't, he's got the luck of the Irish. He's green. He's lucky. He's going to survive it. But I get a feeling that he's not going to be with Luke for very long. I get that feeling too. I'm excited for... Um, Din to get like an affordable place in the suburbs and raise his Grogu and be a soccer dad. Oh, it's little tiny green fucking legs kicking a ball around. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the size of the ball. Mm. 
And Pedro's got some like like high, very high dad shorts on, tube socks, grass-stained dad shoes. And he still wears the helmet once in a while with all that and gear. He's still, you know, sometimes he just gets in the mood, you know? <laughs> so there was a point of contention and there is not anymore. We do have an answer. You know, we for those of us that waited till after the credits rolled, we got a trailer for the Book of Boba Fett. Some people thought it was going to be the next chapter of the Mando Some series. people cough, cough. A lot of people who wanted to argue with me about it, I will die on any Star Wars hill. Don't come for me. <laughs> so we did not get a Thrawn payoff, but I'm thinking that that's going to be saved for Ahsoka show. Oh, yeah. We're going to get that Thrawn, the Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. <laughs> Here's what we know for season three and what we don't know. Rosario Dawson is getting her own spinoff show, Ahsoka Tano. With Lucasfilm also developing the Rangers of a New Republic show, probably following X-Wing pilots to the Outer Rim. Both shows take place in the same time period as The Mandalorian, and they will intersect with the story. Season three is confirmed to premiere on Christmas of next year, not the usual October or November, probably due to COVID-19. They must already be filming it. So... Remember, Lucasfilm is building a climactic story event a la MCU. So any pivotal characters, especially ones with cro- that crossover, they can always come back. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. We don't know who we're getting, but anything is possible. Will we see Grogu trained by Luke? Hopefully. Do we want to see more of like the CG Luke show? Do no, we, we want, want to see Sebastian, Sebastian Stan. Stan. Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Will we see Baby Yoda at all? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they will withheld Baby Yoda for a little while. Okay. I would like to talk about where the fuck baby Yoda came from. Is he Yaddle and Yoda's love child? I want to see more Yaddle. I can't believe the Yaddle erasure that we got in the Jedi when Ahsoka Tana was like, I've only seen one other of your kind. I'm like, bitch, Yaddle was up in that bitch too. Please be the parent. I mean, there's there's other people of that species. No, but it's I'm fucking sure. Star Wars. It's all about lineage. It's all about lineage. About and lineage. that's where I get fucked up because I, I am it's tired how the, of that's it. That's Star Wars, though. If you're tired of it, peace out. It's fucking Star Wars. I, did, I didn't sign up for 23 and me in space. Like, oh, midichlorians. <sighs> so, this is why. Anyway. No, 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 no. no. This is why I like the sequels. They set up so many characters that had nothing to fucking do with the Skywalkers, the Palpatines, what have you. It was hmm. great. And then they never got a good ending to any of them. Finn, Poe, Rose, all of them. There and are characters in this in all the series outside of the outside of the Skywalkers. Han Solo, Chewie, Yoda, st- <laughs> Mace Windu. This is what the idea that no matter what you do, you still won't be as powerful as someone who has these little fucking, you know, magic boba in their blood. Okay. You want to have the conversation? We're going to have our conversation. This is something <laughs> that almost ruined our friendship. Almost. It did ruin our friendship. I was irked. And this didn't take away from... This grand reveal of Luke in the last episode. I still no, very I much on board. None the, way of it's you, for me. the way that you proposed this to me was it really I the amount of righteous indignation that I felt 
when I heard your voice <laughs> message. I was like, I'm an Aquarius. Do you know how much righteous indignation that I didn't even realize I have? <laughs> okay. I love Ahsoka Tano. That's not a surprise. I love Ahsoka Tano. Do you? Okay. Ahsoka Tano. Complete mm-hmm. badass. 14 years old when she becomes Anakin's Padawan. Mm-hmm. She's literally growing up during the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. becoming an ultimate badass. Mm-hmm. Grows up into adulthood and rebels. Mm-hmm. Just unstoppable and then she's alive during the og trilogy Mm -hmm. and you know has been in hiding obviously fighting a ton she's still raging battles Mm -hmm. and somehow in the mandalorian she's not as formidable as luke is luke who hasn't really been formally or at least extensively trained like she has was a moisture farmer little bitch boy on Tatooine thrown into the mix and suddenly they're not at least evenly killed that kind of blew my mind no didn't blow my mind at all fine because I admit that now it's canon that Luke is the ultimate badass Ahsoka Tano wouldn't (laughs) hold a fucking candle to him you know what though whatever think that she would have been even before Mm -mm. no she's got six inches on him Mm -mm. doesn't matter Mm -mm. she may not have the metachlorians he has but she has the skill she doesn't have the metachlorians he has it's his fucking story it's his fucking story but the mandalorian isn't his story it's din's story george lucas said luke skywalker is the most powerful jedi ever yeah because luke skywalker is his avatar ever he says more than yoda ever luke skywalker is george lucas's avatar that's canon <laughs> look i'll be the first to say that fucking whiny farm boy luke is fucking it's fun he's hilarious like i'll make fun of him all day long but i'm not saying i don't love luke that's the thing i just story logically arc, does growth, not make sense to by me. the time episode six comes out he's a fucking boss he just is okay here's here's the ultimate argument who is stronger ray or luke i have a list of who i think the most strong jedi is to i don't even know not the least i won't go through all of them but i i'll tell you i think yoda number one i do think Yoda's yoda yoda number one yeah, Force Lightning as a Force Ghost, like, get the fuck out. He's the baddest badass doing, ever. Are you doing Jedi and Sith? No. Um, then I think Luke Skywalker, he takes Darth Sidious's Force Lightning for two fucking solid minutes and still can carry his dad. <laughs> like, and just three fucking words, raw fucking power. Well, okay, not to diverge too much. That's That was also my argument is that Ahsoka Tano fought Vader and Vader wanted to kill her. She survived. Vader fought Luke. Luke couldn't really. Vader fought Luke. Luke didn't want to kill Vader. And Vader Vader didn't didn't want to kill Luke. And Luke didn't want to kill Vader. He wanted to turn him. It's just hard. I want to see them in at this point prior to the Mandalorian, like against the same person to see how they match up and have it be like, you might see them against Madness. We don't know. We don't know what we're going to get. Can we March Madness our Jedi list too? Um, and then I think Mace Windu, because I do think Mace Windu took Sidious on, but then Anakin got involved. I think he fucking bested him. He bested him. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi bested Anakin, then Anakin. If he would have 
if he would have not lost at Mustafar, then maybe he would have been better than Obi-Wan, but he's just fucking so in his own fucking way. And then I think Ray, and then I think Ben, and then I think Ahsoka. No Leia whatsoever. We never really we got don't to know. see her powers we don't actualized. Know. Yeah. Well, you're gonna leave out like Mara Jade and all those. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do those. Okay. One of your arguments about it too was that like, okay, Luke Skywalker is the the son of Anakin. Anakin's, you know, parentage was like the literal force in his mother, but he still wasn't stronger than Palpatine. There's a yes, reason but why, you know why Vader Papal- is Palpatine's but the, bitch. It is canon that Palpatine said that Luke is the only one that could have defeated him. And it's because Luke can't be swayed to the dark side. I think that's his power. Oh, that that's makes him stronger but then than he did Vader. kind of get swayed at some point. He used the dark side power a bit, but he is never swayed. See, that's what makes me think that Rey is stronger than him. I mm. I think I think I think the Palpatine bloodline is even stronger and the fact that she was even more had better constitution than Luke makes me think that she's stronger. I, I didn't see Luke ever using force lightning. I think that without the dyad and the force, especially, she is not stronger than Luke. I guess we'll never fucking know, you know? But yeah, she is. <laughs> No fucking way is Ray stronger than Luke. No fucking way is Ray stronger. No fucking way is Ahsoka Tano. Even the way she fights, Ahsoka Tano is about misdirection and about all her flippy moves. And over here, over here, all I'm over her here. Flippy moves. Fucking Luke is just fucking pure fucking raw force power. Just boom. That was first. the other thing we were arguing about. I think Ahsoka Tano's fight sequence was much more interesting that in was the, the thing that made me Luke. full of righteous indignation was your message i got that said oh gosh her fight scene was better than luke's and i just went if, it, if you took I out I if you took out I the context of it okay you took out the context of it side of my face the excitement of you know luke appearing and whatever and him being the more major character you put those sequences back to back like it is a more interesting fight than luke's no. And and more complicated. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. If you get your little f- toxic fanboy nuts out of it. <laughs> I, well, first of all, I can't. They're in a twist. They're all fucking twisted up in, in fucking Luke, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Luke twisted my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't untwist him. I, d- I don't like the unfair assumption that I wasn't hyped about this episode. I definitely was hyped about it. And I'm not even a mega fan of Ahsoka. I just don't, it just doesn't, the timeline doesn't make I sense to know me. If, I want to know if it's just because Ahsoka's a woman. Like, would you feel differently if it was Leia, no. not Luke? We had, the, we had this discussion already. I would feel the exact same about Leia if she had the exact same trajectory of as Luke. I'd be like, oh, wow, you really just did that you're just that powerful now i mean i i felt that way about ray too but i came around to both of them like they're all fucking mary sues that's fine but ahsoka not so much ahsoka you saw more of her journey sure yeah does that make her stronger no well (laughs) you're left to assume so much with the other characters you're not there's not really a lot of gray area when it comes to ahsoka I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I agree with you. There's not a lot of gray area when it comes to Ahsoka, except for all those years that she was in hiding. But um, she was still fucking shit up. 
We can assume, like we can assume that fucking Luke Skywalker is the baddest bitch in the universe. Did you get picks, sis? Did you get picked? So many guys are jerking off to this right now. And then they have like me on a fucking dartboard. You know what? This isn't about being a pick me bitch. This is about me being that bitch. But you're still going to get picked for this. How's that make I'm you okay feel? with that. I'm okay How's that with that. How's that make you feel? I'm okay with that. Yeah, fuck women. Except Cynthia. I'd fuck her. She loves Luke, too. Got my balls all twisted. That bitch is fattening in the basement, too. She's the best. <laughs> Boy, fat bitch, I'd fuck. <laughs> no fatties except Cynthia. <laughs> I t- <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I love Luke, though. I, I'm in the same camp as fucking Gail Simone. How can I not be? I default to Gail Simone at all costs, but I yield to Gail. Yeah. I yield. Can that be a bumper sticker? <laughs> and it's How a yield sign. Of Gail. <laughs> yield to Gail. Okay. We got to do, we got to wrap this up. Let's um, just do a nice little thank you. Let's do that. Oh my God. Thank you guys so much for such a fun fucking season. This has been a learning experience. I'm a worse person, but I'm better for it. I had the best time. Thank you for fucking listening. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you, Kirsten. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank me too. I also would like to thank myself. I mean, it's been a wild ride. Um, I can't believe you guys have been enabling this bullshit for like months now. Um, But honestly, I really appreciate everybody buying merch, um, following our pages, leaving comments, even if they suck. Even if you tell me, oh, Captain America can't be a Taurus. He was born on Fourth of July. Yeah, bitch, I know that. It's a troll. Welcome to the Internet. If it wasn't obvious, Cynthia and I are very passionate about these things. We have a lot of fun. We do actually get in real fights about these things. um, But... I just make it makes for good entertainment. We have a solid foundation to our friendship, and I literally could not imagine doing this with anyone else. No, it's not cute. It's cute. Why don't you hit us with your comics list? Wonder Woman number seven sixty nine. This is the last of Mariko Tamakai's run. She's done an amazing job. Please check it out. Something is killing the children. Number thirteen. Spider Woman number seven. You look like death. Tales from the Abel Academy, number four. An Unkindness of Ravens, number four. Is that not the gothest shit you ever heard? <laughs> you ever lain ears on? You betcha. Angel and Spike, volume number one. And that's that's my comics list. Oh, wow. Short and sweet. Presenting sponsor of Masters of the Obvious is... Us! Producing a podcast is expensive, but you can keep these two chuckleheads in business. MastersoftheObvious.com has all your Motopod merch needs. Need the perfect present for that nerdy person in your life? Is that person you? Well, we have the perfect place for you. MastersoftheObvious.com. Buy merch, be a hero to these needy nerds. We are super excited to have Tiffy Starchild on the podcast today. She's a YouTuber, cosplayer, and honestly, way too cool to be on this show. Welcome, Tiffy. Hi. Oh, my gosh. You said I'm too cool to be on the show. And let me just correct you right there. <laughs> I am not cool at all. <laughs> I literally company. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. All right. Awesome. I mean, not cool. See, look it. I, that wasn't on purpose. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. To say life has been wild is an understatement. What have you been up to during the pandemic? What shows have you been binging? Oh, um, you know, it's funny because actually right before the pandemic, I quit my job because I was working at a casino and uh, I hated it. So I actually quit that last December and I was transitioning into being permanently like at home and working from home right before the pandemic hit. So I think that I had a slight leg up on just like, oh, we're staying home now. Okay, cool. This is what I've been doing anyway. Yeah. Uh, at some point, it became hard. But for the most part, I've been binge-watching Avatar. Like, yes. that's the one series I kept coming back to. I think I've probably watched through the whole series, like, four times now this year. I'm on the last episode today, as a matter of fact. So There's nice. nothing more comforting than that show. It's good. It's such a good show. I have my, I, you know, I have my concerns with it and then going into Korra. But I can geek out about that. You know, a whole nother day. I love that show. That's totally nerd culture where it's like, I freaking love this thing. But also, let's not talk about that one thing. (laughs) That one thing. (laughs) That's always, I mean, it's usually several things. Mm -hmm. Something I see you talking a lot about is your time as a cast member at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. What age were you when you did that? And what's one of the most standout experiences you had there? Oh, I think I worked at Disneyland from, I think, 22 to 28 or 29. So I was there for six years and it was right out of college. And it was kind of accidental because, you know, I went to college um, and meant to come back to San Diego and then start my real life. And instead, I just went back to Disneyland and kept playing pretend for years and years and years and years. Um, But I think the best thing that I did there was when I was a tour guide, I had the opportunity. I had to audition and interview in order to be um, the face of the 2014 vacation planning DVD, which was just like, yeah. And I was, I was suggested for it. So they approached me and then I had to interview and still be selected But basically, I don't know if they still do it, but if you're at home and you're just like, man, I really want to go on a Disney vacation. What's that about? They'll send you this free DVD and they outline like every part of the park and you can do this, you can do that. So I was selected to represent Disneyland and that ended up being just like, it's crazy. To this day, people still find me on social media and they ask me if I either still work at Disneyland or when I'm going to be there or they'll say how that video makes them so happy and they put it on when they need comfort. And I'm just like, what? I just did the thing that they asked me to do. That's all I did. I just talked about how much I love Disneyland. But that ended up being really, really dope. And for me, I always wanted to be Princess Tiana, but I was not skinny enough to be Princess Tiana, mm-hmm. which which is fine. That's fine. But I had let that go as far as dreams and, you know, dreaming of being a Disney princess my whole life and whatnot. This ended up being so much better And I feel like it'll be dope to one day show my grandkids, like, look what your granny did. She wasn't just twerking upside down on the Internet. She also (laughs) did cool stuff. I'm going to tell my kids you were the Six Flags old guy that danced. (laughs) Please do. Please do. (laughs) And sell it as much as you need to. You know I will. I will. Tell them that I choreographed that whole number for him. (laughs) Tiffy, you've had this exuberant, eye-catching social media presence since I've known you. What finally convinced you to start a YouTube and what do you cover on that channel? Ooh, well, thank you. Um, I just kept talking 
people like in my house, like my mom. And she was just (laughs) I clearly have a lot to say. And I had been wanting to start a YouTube channel for a while and just really didn't know how or what I would talk about. And it just became a place to react to different things and to talk about the things that I love. And those normally involved things in the nerd space like Disney and Steven Universe and Marvel and things like that. So ultimately, it was just a a need and a desire to connect with people the only way I, I know how. I like to talk. And if people like talking or listening to those same subjects, then they, they can come kick it with me and share their same thoughts. And that's just kind of where it came from and how it moves. I want to congratulate you because usually I can't watch mukbangs. Uh- <laughs> but there's something so eloquent about you shoving food in your face and ranting. Thank you. There's so much I edit out of those the secrets in the editing. I am not a cute eater. If we eat together in person, you'll see a very different person. Like I'm so quiet. I'm like my hand is always up over my mouth. But I have to edit out so much of those videos because it's just food falling in like and I'm just like I'm, I'm disgusted. Oh my God. You know, I feel that doing this podcast, the self-awareness jumped out. Like I had no idea what I sounded like, how I talked oh, to yeah. people. I was like, yikes. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't breathe in between sentences I've learned about myself, which makes it, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Cynthia, as you edit, <laughs> you'll learn that about me too. Like I don't breathe a lot between sentences and uh, just different things. I'm like, is that what my face looks like from that angle? So I became super aware of like, the camera and what I'm looking at. It's, it's a trip. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they say that you're your own harshest critic. I've Mm -hmm. had to get over myself in, in a few ways in order to, to do this and not take myself so too seriously, but also take it very seriously, especially because it's how I make my living now. It's strange. It'll open you up and force you to be vulnerable, which isn't a bad thing. It'll just, it'll open you up. So, and the criticism, Ugh. the criticism, the fat shaming is really no. what got me as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But you know, point them out. I am. I will fucking direct my little arrow of a body right towards. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting is that the biggest bully I had was like this 14 year old who kept making different accounts, but all of them had something similar in the name. So I knew it was the same person. And I'm just like, I can't drag you because you're 14 and you little fat ass yourself. So (laughs) why would I like, clearly this is internalized self-hatred. I don't want to be the one to tell you that though. So I guess kid just go at it. Like, don't make me call your mama, make her lose a job. Like, please don't make me do this to you. (laughs) So you're also a cosplayer. Yes. I'm telling you this in case you didn't know. It's nice to be reminded. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What were your favorite cosplays? Uh, My favorite cosplay, Amethyst, like always, even though she's the most difficult to get into because of all the purple makeup. Amethyst is really great. And like... I think for me, it's because being plus size and being black, there are just really not a lot of characters that look like me. That was the first time I got to experience what I've seen a lot of other cosplayers describe, that feeling of really being able to embody a character and look like you step 
off the screen. That euphoria. I, right. And and that yeah. was a very, I let go of ever getting able to feel, being able to feel that feeling. But Amethyst brought that. Like I could truly just lose myself in this character. When people saw me, they saw Amethyst. And I didn't know that how important that was until it was happening. And I'm just like, this is, she's not even my favorite Steven Universe character. But oh, wait, who's your favorite? Garnet. Okay. Garnet, <laughs> the one always ready to fight. You know me. So. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, though, I feel like Amethyst is a good fit because she's got that Aries energy. Like, she she's going to. She does. And she's just a little bit chaotic and kind of a dumpster baby a little bit and loves snacks and loves food. I definitely learned more about Amethyst. When I started doing Amethyst, it was convenience. Her costume itself is very simple. You know, outside from the face paint, it is a tank top. It is shorts. I put on some star applique things and we're good to go. Some iron-ons and that was it. But then as I started to cosplay the character more, then I'm just like, oh, you know, there are a lot of things I identify with here. I can really lose myself wearing Amethyst. Uh, other than that, my Mario costume, one of my first cosplays, and that's just because it's super recognizable. It's super cute. It keeps evolving. Like to this day, I just sit there and glue more crystals on to it. I'm just like, I'm just going to be sparkly Mario and it's still completely valid and it's comfortable. That's the costume. Like I can wear it at any point. If it gets damaged, if people like snag at it and snatch at it, it's overalls. Girl, I will <laughs> run that thing back through the sewing machine and we're good to go. So I go for comfort when it comes to cosplay. Oh, you don't, you never hear about like the functional side of cosplay. <laughs> I, that's the truth though it's the truth give me something that I can wash really easily because what they don't tell you is your cosplays will smell because <laughs> a lot of times those costumes and the pieces they don't wash very easily so you have to find creative ways to get them clean after cons and not everyone does that I'm so sorry <laughs> and they don't breathe either it's they always don't. like synthetic materials these are not built for function no <laughs> Nope. Also, it's not always your stink that gets on it. It's like it's like convention smells. And that's what got me when they were talking about doing conventions again during this pandemic. They were just like, oh, no, the conventions are super safe. And I'm just like, how have you not heard of con flu? They don't even con grass. I'll never forget. It was an anime expo or a comic con or something a few years ago. Day zero. I was just ranting, of course, in some hallway because it smelled so bad. And I'm just like, it's the first day. It's the first day. That means that you live like this. You live like this. <laughs> There's no excuse. Oh, we're in the con. Nope. It's day one. Is day one, is day one, is day you know, one. <laughs> and maybe I'm alienating our audience here, but you know they're just like slamming Mountain Dew in a basement playing World of Warcraft if they're not at the convention. It's like the first time they've seen like the light of day in like years. And I, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying you, you, you we got to do, we, I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself in there so people don't feel alienated. We right. as a community, because, you know, you reach one, teach one. <laughs> We can all rise together and do better than this. This mm -mm. no, I, I I honestly don't even have room to joke about it. But here I am <laughs> trying to put myself in the other group. Like I am clean. Like I don't take a shower every two weeks or anything like that. There's no judgment. But my thing is, would you at least wash up fresh before you hit that con floor? Mm -hmm. At least for the weekend, would you freshen up one time? That's the difference. Just That's that. the difference. So what's the whole cosplay? I mean, 
not even costly, just we'll even say all encapsulating the nerd community. What is that like? What has that experience been like for you? Oh, a lot better now because nerd culture is cool. I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. very much in the camp of like, oh, I remember when y'all was dead ass teasing me for this when I was in high school and younger. I remember being bullied for this. I remember in French class, Charday sitting up and telling everyone that I like Sailor Moon so they could all tease me. Now, <laughs> so I remember that. <laughs> I'm not bitter about it. It's not to her. Shout out to Shard. I know we're super friends now, but it's just like, (laughs) we won't forget. (laughs) But, um, but it's more just like, I'm on, you know, I'm on team, you know, yes, you were teasing us before and now you see how dope it is. Well, welcome. Let me know if you have any questions, friend. So I'm not mad about it. I do think it's a very interesting shift. And, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm here for, it. especially since when things get popular, when they become more mainstream, that's when we see dope things like, like merchandise and uh, like, like with Avatar, this series has been, you know, it's been gone for so long. Suddenly mm-hmm. it's back on Netflix and I can get Avatar everything like keychains and merch. I just got a bamboo cutlery set and I'm just like, yeah, I need this from box. Wow. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> so, right. So I think that I, I love that nerd culture has had this like, I don't know, this, this boom of popularity. And so long as people approach me respectfully and I don't mm-hmm. do gatekeepings, one gatekeeping, one thing I really don't like is when people my age sit up and try to stop people from getting interested because they felt that they were bullied and people shouldn't have access. Don't do that. Like, how is that supposed to make it any better? I understand, but what does that bring you? Just, well, that's you just know. like, continuing the cycle of abuse like I was hurt I'm gonna hurt you this is my time to fucking shine now that means you haven't grown as a human you're stunted you haven't grown past that you're still really hurting and I need you to let that go (laughs) right that's a big reason and Cynthia and I will tell you this that's a big reason why we started this podcast because we've existed in mostly male spaces talking about nerd stuff before Mm -hmm. and just the gatekeeping it doesn't even matter how much cred you have you'll still get it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that like, who fucking cares if you got into Marvel because you like Marvel movies? Who cares if you started reading this like last week? Welcome. Right. You just went to Disneyland for the first time last year. Okay, that's cool. That doesn't make you any less of a Disney fan than I am because you didn't have access to it the way that I did. Yeah, yeah. I don't like gatekeeping. What? Movie, show, game, what have you, are you most looking forward to in the new year? Ooh, it's, you know, it's hard to say. So much has been pushed back. So it's like, what's happening in the new year and what's coming like several years from now that I've just It could be several about. years. Whatever's going to be coming out soon. So down the pipeline, uh, they just announced that Princess Tiana is getting a series. And yes. so I'm very, very excited about that because she just did not get enough love during the movie. Like, as we know, she's a frog for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen the concept art for Princess and the Frog and what we like, just just the different stages they went through to get to the Tiana that we know now. I'm hoping that they draw inspiration from that for this TV show. And we get to see more of that 1920s New Orleans. Like that to me, it's just such a, it's such a, I don't know, it's yummy. Like that whole time period is very Mm -hmm. lush and delicious. And the fashions that they played with on her are really, really good. I'm really trying to see her castle because uh, just to be honest, at the end of the movie, for her to have Tiana's palace, but it's a damn 
restaurant where she's going to work for the rest of her life. That don't sit right with me. (laughs) I understand that was her dream. I need to also see her just be luxury out and just just living her best life as a queen in Maldonia with some servants. I need all of that energy for Princess Diana. So that's one of the things. You just blew my mind because I I didn't even (laughs) think about, I mean, I had issues with the from listening to other people talk about it, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize like, oh, she has to earn this. No one else had, like, you fell well, asleep. Yeah. You fell asleep. <laughs> she <laughs> fell asleep and let some dude kiss up on her. And I'm not one to judge, but let's just call it what it was. <laughs> and I, I'm still not convinced at the end of Snow White, we don't know what happened. We just saw her ride off on the back of the horse with old boy, but did they get married? Is she a queen yet? I don't know. I don't know. Did she ever regain her kingdom? Restore her own honor. We'll never have these answers. This is what I sit around and think about, by the yeah. way. I mean, you you have some really valid points. Like even Cinderella, she had that like working class glow up. But did she go back to scrubbing floors? No, 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 she didn't. But Tiana was like, you know what? Time to earn a check. Bitch, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like Cinderella went out and started, you know, a uh, cleaning cleaning business. (laughs) (laughs) So I I respect the fact that she had goals and a business plan. Mm. I would like to see her relax. So I'm hoping that the series... I'm I'm sh- I'm sure some of the episodes are we're all out of of sugar for the beignets. What are we going to do? I'm sure that's going to be an episode. But let mm-hmm. me see her just chilling in her palace and and that be the and, whole premise. And putting her prince in place too. That was the entire theme of the movie. Pretty much. And yeah. that's what I need. That's what I need. I need that too. All of the Marvel movies I'm looking forward to and I forgot what year at this point. I don't know when they're coming out anymore, but they set up such an exciting timeline that I'm just like, okay, yeah, all of it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Dude, Love and Thunder. I think that's what we are like super stoked for. We have Valkyrie back. We have Jane Foster wielding the hammer. It's a Taika Watiti joint. It's going to be good. I love all of the Thor movies. I don't care what anyone says. Like, he's my favorite. He's my uh, favorite. Yeah. I feel like growing up reading Marvel comics, they were so funny. Like, the humor was there. And then you get, like, this weird, gritty reboot of things. But it, it didn't really lose that with Thor. It was funny, like, throughout. Thor is hilarious. And I, I give so much of that credit to Chris Hemsworth because mm-hmm. of his delivery of Thor. Like, what do they call him? Like, a himbo? Yes. <laughs> Yes. I love that phrase for some reason. Like That's I just favorite it. topic on the pod. Yes, is it really? It is. Yes. Yes. We love a himbo. Yes. Good. Cause like Thor is ultimate himbo. I think that like my favorite moment moment when he was talking to Valkyrie and he's just like, yeah, love women warriors, women. And he's just, <laughs> he's just a thumbs up. <laughs> he's adorable. I love him. He has such good, good delivery too. Like in, Cynthia calls it Lady Ghostbusters and it makes me want to cringe. But she does it lovingly. I love Lady Ghostbusters. Oh, he's so good in it. I just watch it for Chris Wensworth. Yeah. Okay, I will. Like, I I will cry laughing every time I see him in that movie. He's so good. Is that one of the movies where you have had to, you had to see the first Ghostbusters in Mm -hmm. order to, okay. Not at all. I'm not so good at that. I've still never seen Star Wars, like any of them. (gasps) I know. I know. Oh my God. I'm the so nerd glad I left the Star next. Wars trivia off the game. Yes. Oh, thank you. Because every <laughs> single answer, I'd have been like, mm, 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 mm. Sounds interesting. <laughs> you got me on that one. 
You need, okay, there's this podcast called The Newcomers and it's, oh, um, yes, Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus, two comedians. And it's about how they've never watched anything Star Wars and they're watching it for the first time. So each so episode good. is dedicated to each like installment. And it's so fucking funny because they basically just roast it. That is so funny. The newcomers. I will check that out. I would like to watch it, but at this point, it's like, where do I even begin? Do I go one, two, three, four, five, six, or four, five, six, one, two, three? Where do the Clone Wars fit in? Where does Mandalorian fit in? I know people are tripping out over whatever happened in this past episode. <laughs> do I have to watch all of Star Wars to understand Mandalorian? I'm told no. You but don't, but it helps to be ex- it helps you be excited about it. I'm a hype person. Yeah, I'm a I want crazy to- Star Wars fan. And if I was to give you a suggestion, I would do it by when it was released. When it was so released, four, five, six, one, one two, two three. three, then Clone Wars. I would do by release date. And yeah, then Clone if you want to ever revisit, then it might be fun to do it in one, two, three, four, whatever. Okay. But if you do this, will you come back on the show ooh. and tell Cynthia that the sequels were the best out of all of them? <laughs> I need someone on my side. Oh, man. I will do my best to do that for you. I don't mean to that like plant huge... seeds of bias, but oh, it's so you know, at this point, I've seen so much, you know, I, I'm unswayable. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you haven't watched it by now, like I tried one your time, constitution. My friend, I tried. My friend hosted a watch party, but oh. tequila was also present. Okay, <laughs> it's trivia time. I'm so ready. And you know I'm the pun queen, and yet I couldn't come up with a good name for this, so it's just a very nerdy Christmas. I love it. It's perfect. Roll music. All right. Barbie, Life in the Dream House is Christmas <gasps> special. Heavily featuring Chelsea, parodied what 90s classic? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen the Christmas special. Uh, 90s classic what? 90s classic TV show? Full House. Final answer. Movie. 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 Home Alone. Yes! Uh, uh, uh. It was called Alone in the Dream House. What? I will, you think I will watch She's taking notes. She's taking notes. I haven't, I didn't know that they did a a Christmas special. This is an educational podcast. You know, we had a reviewer tell us that they quit school and only listen to our podcast now. Best review. It was. I love it. All right. This is a Disney one. I feel like this is a safe bet. Okay. I shouldn't set it up like that because if you get it wrong, it's just going to I know, more. I'm just going to die. It's fine. It's fine. I've lived a good life. How many Santa Claus movies are there? Three. Yes. <laughs> Three too many. Tim Allen, get the fuck out of here. I'm so sad because prior to him opening up his freaking trap, I love the Santa Claus movies. I love Home Improvement. Not so much for Tim Allen but because I had the biggest crush on Jonathan Taylor Thomas yes. more than anybody on this planet. Uh, oh, like, man. And then Buzz Lightyear. Like, how yeah. is it going to play us like this on just multiple fronts? I'm not going to lie. I still watch the Santa Claus, though. I no, do. they're good. They're good. In the titular holiday episode, Christmas Show and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the family learns the true spirit of Christmas after their presents are stolen. But what other surprise gift do they get? This is multiple choice. A. Will got an internship in New York. B. Aunt Janice is pregnant. C. 
Ashley reveals she passed her driver's exam. Or D, Carlton learns how to dance. I want to say, ooh, gosh. Was that B? On Janice is pregnant. Yep. <laughs> Do you remember her husband, too? That was like a whole story arc. It was like, yeah, that he was a white guy. <laughs> yeah. And he was the guy from um, the Beverly Hillbillies and Drew Carey show. That's hilarious. I would have to go back to watch it and recognize him. But I just remember, I remember being a kid and seeing that episode and they were all ragging on him for, for being white. And I was just like, I don't. I don't what? <laughs> I just did not understand. Which Disney Christmas film has a character called Axe? He is an axe. I was gonna say, yeah, so like he's not after the body spray. <laughs> uh, oh shoot! I don't know. I would go. Oh, mm, which Disney Christmas film? Which is- Disney movie has a lot of like animated inanimate objects? <laughs> I mean, Beauty and the Beast is the first one that comes to mind. Is it the Beauty and the Beast? Did they do a Christmas special? The Enchanted Christmas. Oh, but you know, I actually have not seen that one. I mean, based I'm, on a character named Axe, I don't know if I could recommend it. That, But that's the thing. Disney sequels, they don't exist to me. I literally mm-hmm. just block them out. Unless it's Return to Neverland. Mm-hmm. Ariel's Beginnings and Simba's Pride. Those are the only ones. I did not like the songs in the Ariel sequel. Really? I couldn't. I just couldn't. Also, That's like, okay. for her to, like, get her dad's hair, like, fully knowing she could have had Ariel's, I would have been pissed. Oh, oh. You know what? I Not that one. You're talking about, oh, Return to the Sea when it's Ariel's daughter. Mm-hmm. I like the prequel. It's it, Little Mermaid 3, but it's the prequel of why music got banned and all types oh. of stuff. Yeah, that one. And I have a theory because you find out how their mom died. I think the oldest sister plotted that because she would have been next in line for the throne. But that's oh. just my theory. I'm still working on Wow. Okay, but was mm-hmm. Ursula... A good guy? You know, I have theories about all the Disney villains and whether or not they're actually villains. Uh, so for this one, the Ursula is not the villain of the movie. Ursula isn't even in it. It's Marina, their governess, who is mm. trying to take over. So Ursula is not even in the prequel. But just in theory, I am not convinced that Ursula is all that evil. I see someone that was banished. We don't even really know what she did to deserve that, except she was the different. patriarchy. You know what? You know, you know, listen, that could be it. You don't don't get me started on Dr. Facilier and how as a black man in 1920s, maybe Oof. voodoo was his only option. But mm-hmm. that's, you know, I'm just going to sip here my ice cold water. <laughs> I mean, Ursula was a savvy businesswoman. Like she had a contract. No one forced Ariel to it's, sign that. I say that all the time. No one told Ariel to sign that damn contract. Maybe if her daddy hadn't been so damn negligent. It would have been a little bit better for her. Maybe if he had been more interested in being a father instead mm. of a king, he should have been king of his own household before he was trying to be king of Atlantica. All right. You mm-hmm. got seven daughters out here running amok. Okay. <laughs> out here saving humans and shit. Who's to blame for that? Triton. Triflin. <laughs> Triflin ass Triflin. Triton. Too busy doing 
exercise? Why are your pecs so developed? You spend so much time in the damn gym and not with your daughters. That's what the problem is. Okay, but he is a daddy. Don't come for that. I'm I'm not, except I am. Like you you sacrificed your daughters for pecs. My guy, like that's ultimately the decision that you made. You had a crab. He's a crab. He's a crab and your daughter's full grown ass fish people. How is he supposed to stop them from doing anything that they wanted to? You saw what happened when he tried to stop her by grabbing onto her tail. She was like, oh, you about to swim with me? Bet. And he, she brought him along for the ride. What was he supposed to do? He set Sebastian up for failure and then yelled at him when he was unable to accomplish the task. That's abuse. Okay, this, oh, yeah, oh, and when he, like, ruins her little grotto full of goodies, like, could you imagine me as a parent going into my kid's room and just destroying all their passions? Now, to be fair, I did threaten to flush my nieces and nephews' toys down the toilet when they misbehave. I don't have kids. That's probably why. But (laughs) I never actually did it. I just got them to behave. So I understand the effectiveness, but no. He I mean, went in there threat. violent. Right, threat is one thing. He went in there violent, exploded those things. Yeah, your daughter ran away. Where was she supposed to go? She didn't feel safe here, sir. That's what this little shrimp seahorse should have said. Sir, she didn't feel safe. You, you went in there and exploded everything in her room. What was she supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I think that it's really a movie about the seriousness of contracts. Right? What's the legality what of I a think. 16-year-old signing a contract? Where did she learn how to read? <laughs> how are those pages under the water there's a lot of questions <laughs> here's my big one is ursula naked because the black just goes <laughs> straight into her t- i was thinking about this the other day i really was mostly because i think about things to put on tiktok but is ursula naked because it just goes right into the tentacles but it rise up over her okay. boobies or is it this a full like bodysuit like that goes and she over has the to tentacles. put each tentacle each inside <laughs> that's too much that's too much in the Christmas episode of season three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer titled Amends, Angel is haunted by the visions of his past victims, sacrifices himself. Then what miraculous thing happens, especially for Southern California? It snows. It does. <laughs> Snow falls in Sunnydale. And it was like a heat wave before then. We love the power of you know, character development. Does the original Charmed series have a Christmas special? And do you remember what it's called? I don't remember. I don't think so. I'm gonna say, well, you said, and what it's, what is it called? So that makes me That's think a little there harder. is a Christmas special. So I'm going to say, yes, there is a Christmas special. Otherwise, there wouldn't be the follow-up question, but I don't know the answer to the follow-up question. I want you to make up a Christmas special title. Make up a Christmas special. Um, it's gonna be called Fala La La Phoebe, and it's all about because <laughs> Phoebe was my favorite Hollywell sister. Obviously, but- <laughs> you didn't even have to tell me that. I could tell. Really, she was the best sister, and like low key, when I used to role play on AOL back in the day, I was with this group of people. We would make children like we were the children of the charmed ones and my girl was still black so her daddy was black because she was mixed because phoebe was her mom right but that's based yeah that's basically how i spent my childhood role-playing charmed on aol so wrong on both accounts damn it you tricked me <laughs> i'm tricky like that i'm like loki um <laughs> i'm high key loki um 
So the reboot does have one. So this is just like one of those questions. And I have to tell you what it's called. Please. Jingle Hell. I'm not mad at it, but I'm also not happy. I'm not about it. happy about the reboot in general. Okay. I'm hitting you with the Disneyland question. I'm ready. How many twinkling lights adorn the facade of It's a Small World? Multiple choice. <laughs> about 100,000. Mm-hmm. About 300,000. Or about 1 million. I'm going to go with... I don't know, like a million to me sounds like the correct answer. But what are my options again? A hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, one million. A hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, or a million. I want to go for a million because I'm just like, let's put a million lights on this attraction. But I think that's a fire hazard. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) 300,000? Yeah. Really? (laughs) We're going to end on your fave in the season four Christmas special of Steven Universe, Three Gems and a Baby. What tear inducing song does Greg Universe play? Um, is that the I can never be? I no, can never don't be. Don't sing it out loud. <laughs> yes, it's technically called I could never be. And then, in, you know, parentheses parentheses ready you know what's funny i didn't realize that that was the christmas episode it was because the gem showed up with presents and then decided to do the exchange that's right and they were all snowing and that's when Mm -hmm. oh i'll say i think it's time for me to do a whole rewatch of that series because you know what fucks me up is that greg still has tan lines in winter (laughs) how (laughs) bad is that tan to where you still have the tan line, sir. And he has I was, a tanning bed. And he wears his fucking flip-flops in the tanning bed. Does he have a tanning bed? Oh, that's right. No, he I, about, does he? He might. I thought he mentioned one being on the back of his van. What a terrible role model. Or I could just be making that up because it sounds like something that he would, <laughs> he do. would definitely do. And now my brain is making that into memory. Just like, yeah. <laughs> like, could I remember that. <laughs> Convert your van into like a mobile tanning salon. Into a mobile tanning salon. Greg, hit us up. We got you. All right. Let's put, hey, this is a great, I always say this and it's actually very timely. Let's put a beautiful bow on this interview and you can tell our listeners where they can find you. Oh my God. I don't know why I just got nervous. Okay. Uh, you can find me pretty much all over the internet. Mainly I am on Instagram at Tiffy Starchild. And I also stream on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Tiffy Starchild. Uh, Twitter at Tiffy Starchild. I am not creative. My branding is consistent across all platforms at Tiffy or Starchild. Smart. That's, smart. that's smart too. That You know, that's very true. But yeah, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. And if you're on Clubhouse, come find me there where I'm talking nerd shit all day. So that's me. Tiffy Starchild, thank you so much for being on our show. We are we are thrilled and honored to have had you and you're just a delight. Thank you. Thank you so much. And can I say that I've been very distracted by your hair like this entire time. Like my eyes just keep going. I'm just like pink, pink. It's so pink. I love it. It's just very beautiful. Thank you.
We did it. it. Thank you so much to our guest, Tiffy Starchild. What a fucking delight. Check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com for new episodes, news, and merch. Our Instagram at Masters of the Obvious, Facebook at Masters of the Obvious, and Twitter at Masters of the O. And if you'd like to be a patron of our show, you can go to contribute dot masters of the obvious.com and if you'd like we'll even mention you on the show but if you want to remain anonymous we understand we don't want to be associated with us either please don't forget to leave a glowing review on apple podcasts and to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on to get notifications for the premiere of season two thank you for listening and we love you like a lot but not as much as we like the sound of our own voices. Not as much as I like Luke Skywalker. Sorry about it. Come to our shop and buy our shit at MasterDaddyObvious.com. <laughs>